Welcome to Real Talk for Real Teachers. I'm Dr. Becky Bailey, the creator of Conscious Discipline, an expert in child development and education, and a lifelong teacher and learning. For those listening who are not aware of Conscious Discipline, it is a comprehensive, trauma-informed, brain-based, self-regulation program that combines discipline, social-emotional learning, and school culture into one integrated process. Real Talk for Real Teachers is a growing community of loving professionals who seek both to understand and be understood. Today, we're talking about end-of-the-year rituals. For many, the end of the year is coming and coming fast. And a lot of children and teachers are counting down those days at about now. One thing for sure in most schools is that as we count down the days, discipline episodes increase as the days shorten to that final day. And that's because we have big emotions. So as the emotions of excitement for the end of the school and the anticipation of a fun summer and camp and all that comes with it, it becomes hard to sustain attention and regulate those big emotions. For others, the big emotions of anxiety, fear, or terror for the end of the school with the anticipation of a hard, hard summer, lacking consistency in routines, possibly lacking food, and the possibility of entering chaotic homes or violent communities creates the inability to pay attention and big, big emotions. So a long time ago, my first school that I transformed, uh, we created a school family. And that was the first time these children had felt a school family, had felt this sense of safety and belonging and connection and problem solving. And they really had this sense that, that they had each other's back. And so at the end of the year, I get this phone call from one of the teachers and they're going, help. And I'm like, what's happening? They goes, everyone's crying. These kids are crying. The school is ending and they're crying. And I'm like, yay. They go, yay. We've never had kids cry at the end of the school. And so for these kids, with about a third of them being homeless, the thought of leaving school was sad. But if you're like me and a lot of other people, sadness and disappointment are tough emotions and a little slippery. Sometimes it's easier to feel angry than sad or disappointed. And typically the children had skipped over that feeling of sadness and gone right to anger and sometimes rage. So the fact that they were in touch enough to be sad at the end of the year was a normal response. When something beautiful is over, when you're saying goodbye to your partner at the airport, that is a sad moment. You don't push them and shove them and call them names. So these children had healed enough in one year to really get in touch with the sadness that happens. So Today, we're going to talk about what to do about this. I mean, because as these behavior problems increase as the year goes on, we have to do something as teachers because the learning doesn't stop just because we all see the end coming near. In conscious discipline, what we do is we intentionally build what's called a school family. And this is a compassionate culture of caring that allows children to solve problems and feel a strong sense of belonging. And it comes from the power of unity, which says literally, And not figuratively, not metaphorically, but literally, we're all in this together. The school family is built upon the principles of safety, connection, and problem solving, derived from routines, rituals, 
classroom structures, and a skilled teacher in managing emotions and conflicts. Now, remember when we talk about routines and rituals, routines are there for predictability and for consistency, and they create this sense of safety. Rituals provide connection. They are the glue that holds a school family together. So similar to the rituals we have in families. So if you can imagine that, let's just take Thanksgiving or something, that you all get together at your aunt's house for Thanksgiving. This is what you've done every year. Everyone comes. These people bring certain foods. These people barbecue out back. I mean, whatever it is. I mean, you can see I'm from Florida because most of you don't go outside at Thanksgiving in the rest of the country. So it's a real predictable routine of Thanksgiving, but it also has that ritual where we hold hands and say what we're thankful for. Now, imagine when that ritual and that routine gets disrupted and that aunt passes away. Some of the sense of family gets shaken. It's like, oh, not so in addition to loss of a dear loved one, it's like, what are we going to do for Thanksgiving? What's going to happen to the family? Where will we go? How will we pull this together? She's always done it. So these rituals allow us to hold each other in that sense of family. So what are we going to do at the end of the year? We're going to do end of the year rituals to try that hold that sense of family together at the same time, see that light at the end of the tunnel, which says this family is ending. So we want to stay together and end at the same time. So I have brought today someone that can help us figure out this dilemma and do it quite well. And so I've invited back Vicki Hepler. Now, Vicki's been an early childhood educator for 36 years and taught in a variety of settings, including pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, first grade, and self-contained children with autism. She's a master conscious discipline instructor. She's created master model conscious discipline classrooms in every one of her settings that people have flocked all over just to look at. She's now traveling throughout the country, teaching conscious discipline to anyone that has the ears to hear. And she's had many, many school endings. I'd say 36 of them, huh, Vicki? Yes. <laughs> yes. So welcome, Vicki, to Real Talk for Real Teachers. We're glad to have you back. Well, and I'm glad to be back, Becky. So tell me about this. Have you seen behaviors at the end of school year? Oh, yes. And I think if you ask any teacher across the country, right now you go and so how's it going? Even if they've created a school family, even if they have pretty much eliminated any behaviors in their classroom, if you ask them right now with two or three weeks before school's out, how's it going? They're going to go, oh, I don't know what happened because all the behaviors that were eliminated because children felt that sense of safety and they truly felt connected to one another in the school family, all those behaviors that you had seen eliminated pop back up and they feel like their safety net has a leak. And that's the anxiety that they can express in words coming out in behavior. And what I found, the more connected the school family was, the more anxiety was created as the end drew near. And we do things all the time as teachers. And I know every teacher listening does this. I don't care what grade level you are. They're all working and you're like, all right. And you go, oh, look at you. 
you all are ready for first grade. Those first grade teachers are going to be so proud. And you're thinking you're really encouraging them. And in reality, their minds are going, what? I'm going to have another teacher? This isn't going to, we're not going to be together? They have no concept, especially young children have no concept that this is ending. And you know that because they have no idea when it begins, how long it's going to go. I had one child who was so proud. They came home the first day of school. They said to their mom, wow, I did it. I made it. She goes, you made it through what? She, she, he said, I made it through kindergarten. He thought he went one day, that was it. So they have no concept how long it's going to be. And I can say for myself, teachers all over, we get really attached to our school families as well. And so saying goodbye isn't just hard for the children. It's hard for the adults in the room and um, because you've invested your heart and soul. Yeah. And if you are feeling anxious about saying goodbye, of course, they pick up on that. So um, with conscious discipline, when you create these end-of-the-year rituals, they say to children that no matter what, this experience will always be remembered. And you talk in the phrases of, I will remember instead of I'm going to miss you. Because when you say, I'm going to miss you, it puts children and adults in their emotional state. And I will remember helps you stay in the higher state of your brain so that you can continue to function at a high level in your classroom. That makes sense to me. I mean, everything you've said has made sense to me. And I think that we could all relate to this as an adult. I mean, again, this is 100 years ago, but... I remember when I got my PhD, I was so focused on getting my PhD and finishing that dissertation and doing my oral arguments and everything. And someone looked at me and said, oh, wow, I bet you're ready for your new job. And I'm like, job? What? <laughs> I, have to, I have to get a job now? You know, it's just kind of like, what? I'm going to first grade? I'm going to second grade? Yeah. Who told me that? I mean, I was so determined to see that one stage in my life and just so excited to be where I was and to see this thing. And then when they mentioned my next step, I was like, they threw me into total chaos. I was going to say there's a sense of loss. Even though you accomplished this great thing, there's a sense of loss. It's over because it took up so much of your life for such a long period of time. Yes, exactly. And it did. So, Vicki, as we're backing up now a little bit, just in general and getting away from this kind of end of the year, have you seen the power of rituals throughout your 36 years or however long you've been doing conscious discipline? And have you seen them out as you're coaching in other classrooms? Have you seen it? And what do you see when you see it? I think the biggest thing that I see, not only in my own classroom when I was teaching and now that I'm out coaching in classrooms, I see the classroom rituals, the school family rituals, create this soothing sense that I'm not in this alone. Someone's in this with me. And it gives every person this sense of belonging. And then when you have needs arise in the classroom, you have these rituals in place to meet the needs. So it's not adding something else to your day. It's just part of what happens in the culture of your classroom. For example, the wish well ritual. Initially, when we start the wish well ritual, we say, someone's absent, let's sing the wish well song, and we're going to wish them well. And then once children get a sense of that, then it becomes 
more powerful when someone comes in the room and says, my cat's in the hospital. And I say, wow, that is scary. What could we do that would be helpful? And the kids will say, we can sing the Wish Well song. And so they sing the Wish Well song. And then I say, now, not only for this child who has a cat in the hospital, but for every single person that's had someone who was sick or a pet that was sick and we felt anxiety and we worried about would they be okay. So we're all going to put our hands on our heart, take a deep breath in and send those well wishes out. And it's a powerful thing. You can just see the anxiety in the classroom dissipate. The most powerful example of rituals came when I was teaching um, self-contained children with autism. And we had a little guy fall and break his arm on the playground. And as you know, that was very anxiety producing for this child. And I managed to get him to the car with his mother and we got all calm. But when I came back to the room, I was not in my calm state, and neither were the children. And so I was breathing, calming down, and one of the kids said, Wish Well song. And so we sang the Wish Well song, and by singing that song, it got me into my higher state. And I said, let's send a video. And so we sent a video of the class singing the Wish Well song to this child in the hospital who was probably absolutely terrified because of sensory overload that comes in a hospital emergency room. And the mom said that when it came through, they were setting his arm. And the whole time he kept saying, school family song. She had to play it over and over again. So at his time of huge anxiety and fear, the school family from a distance offered him that comfort. And that's what rituals do. Perfect. So so now let's shift to the end of the year. So Let's do this. When do you think you would start these end-of-the-year rituals before we get into what they actually look like? So how do I know when it's time? Well, you know, it's different for older children and for younger children. Older children, they kind of start the countdown process or they become aware that the end is near about the same time the adults do. So as the adult in the classroom, as soon as you think, ah, 60 more days of school, usually you don't start that early, but if you're having a rough year, you might, but you know, you might go 20 days of school, 30 days of school. As soon as you start the countdown, they become aware. And that's when it's time to start creating rituals that prepare the children for the transition from the safety of this school family to go into the next grade level. Because many times they're going to classrooms where there might not be a school family. Okay. So what about the younger ones? For the younger children, you don't need to tell them quite, you know, quite as early. For me personally, I know it's time when I see those behaviors start popping up. Often, you know, just like you wouldn't tell a three-year-old, we're going to the doctor in two weeks, you're going to get a shot. No, you'd say it 20 minutes no, before it's time minutes, to get, get in, the car. in the car. Get in the car. <laughs> we're leaving. <laughs> Where are we going? Uh, breathe with me, honey. We're going to the doctor. But in the classroom, generally speaking, I started about two to three weeks before school was out. And as you said in your introduction, I taught mostly, you know, primary early childhood. So I started about two or three weeks out. 
And I guess if you have very challenging kids and the summer break looks a little more daunting to them, these behaviors might pop up a little sooner. So I think that's a good rule for everyone to kind of pay attention when those behaviors, they've been able to manage fairly well with your coaching and now can't seem to be managed as well. That's a time to to get some more glue back in that family, soothe that sense of loss. And that happens with rituals. So now let's go into what kinds of rituals you like. Now, you mentioned earlier about the difference between remember and miss. So let's just bring that home a little bit. So we've all had people in our lives that we've loved that have left or passed away. And when they pass away, there's this missing, and that's called grief. And that could last years. But at some point in there, and you start, remember when we used to go by the creek and get the rope and grandpa would do this and then we'd swing off and hit in the inner tube and he'd laugh. So that remembering, like Vicki said, is in the higher centers of the brain. Missing is in the lower. So as children start missing their school family while they're still in it, we have to shift from missing to remembering. So with that, Vicki, what are some end of the year rituals you've done that you've found to be successful? Well, first, I pay attention, like you said, to the behaviors, and oftentimes they'll say, I'm going to miss my friends, or I'm going to miss you, Miss Hepler, and when, as soon as I hear that, I say, I will remember, and I tell them something I remember, and then they'll often say something they remember. So I start getting that language going in those teachable moments, and then um, some of the rituals that I've done over the years, this has always been one of my favorites, I create an I Will Remember book. Depending on the age that you teach, I put up chart paper, and we just started brainstorming um, or going around the circle, I Will Remember my school family, or I will remember, and they tell one thing they remember about our time together. And, you know, they'll talk about field trips, they'll talk about meeting a friend. Often you'll hear over and over, I will remember my school family. And I just write everything down on chart paper, and we add to it for probably a week or more, and we reread it. We're talking, wow, look at all the things we did this year. And so it helps keep them remembering instead of thinking about missing. And then each child chooses one thing, and I've done it different ways. One of my favorite things is on Kindness Counts. There's a song called Love is a Circle, and it's Dr. Becky Bailey. You wrote the words, and Mr. Al wrote the music, but it's called Love is a Circle, the words say, remembering you. So I'd play that song and then we'd read our list. And then over time, I'd have them pick what they wanted to illustrate. And even if they were writing, I still wrote it for them or typed it because this is going to be a treasure for them to take with them. So every child um, draws an illustration. Let's say they remembered their trip to the petting zoo. And so they draw that. And then I put a copy of each child's picture in the corner of their illustration. And then I take a class picture, put it on the front, and then I make photocopies. So every child takes home a book of memories of our time together. And so that's a really powerful tool. Wow. That is a powerful tool. And it's interesting that in the midst of us doing this remembering missing, uh, I wrote that song, Love is a Circle, for my mother, who was in process of her own life transition. And so for me to keep working and to keep in the higher centers of my brain, I wrote that song uh, actually for her. 
So uh, an interesting remembering I'm having right now. So in addition to that, have you seen stuff in, in some of the older grades or other ideas that you could throw out there for some people just to give them a smorgasbord of possibilities? Well, this could go either way, but older grades, they want to know what it's going to be like the next year. So they can write questions that they send letters for older kids. You know, they're writing friendly letters. They send a letter to students in, like if they're in fourth grade to fifth grade, saying, you know, do I have to know trigonometry? Because their imagination goes crazy. They don't know what you have to know in fifth grade. They just know it's going to be harder than fourth grade. And so they, for example, you have kindergarten children who think they have to read chapter books in first grade. <laughs> yeah, those are, those are the questions I had. Do we have to read chapter books? Yes. What we're saying here, and I hope everybody's hearing that, is how do we soothe anxiety? And the anxieties will be different for different children, children with different uh, histories. But certainly we're saying, we do this all the time. What if? What if? What if that I'm supposed to do this? What if I'm supposed to do that? What, what if? What if? What if? So you're saying ask questions about all these what ifs because anxiety always says you don't have enough information. Get more information. So that's an excellent idea. And also, I've heard about taking field trips. Do you go up to the next grade? Have you seen that? Yeah, that's what I used to do. I'd schedule an appointment with the grade level my children were going to the next year for the last week of school. Because let's face it, the last week of school, everybody's looking for things to do. And so we would go visit the classroom and they would have the questions or the letters. My kindergartners would ask the first graders the questions, and the first graders would answer the questions. A powerful thing. There's a wonderful teacher at my old elementary school. She had each of her students make a little book about what first grade would be like, showed them what was inside the room, and just helped them feel comfortable. Because like you said, anxiety is what if. I don't know what's coming. So that's where the anxiety comes from. So I think it's really helpful to go visit the next grade level. And you know what's interesting is I knew we were going to do this podcast, and I was thinking about, wow, you know, we nail celebrating at the end of high school or the end of college, right? As families, we create these wonderful slideshows or memory books. We have parties and we bring the family together. And I thought that's really what you're doing at the end of a school year. You're creating something to help them remember. And so one of the things that I think is important to do is involve the families in a celebration at the end of the year to say, hey, you know what? We all did this together and we're going to celebrate your child and our time together. Because oftentimes when you practice conscious discipline, the families become as connected to the other children and the other parents and you as the children do. So I've had parents that are just crying the last day of school. I don't know what we'll do without you. I, you know, And it's not that it was me. It was that we created this school family. So I think if you can involve parents in the celebrations, it's really helpful. So Vicki, let's go over this then if we're going to do our steps for tomorrow, because, I mean, some schools are ending like, bam, tomorrow, right. and then we have some that go uh, a little bit longer. But we're at the end of the year right now. So what are some things? Let's say that I've kind of been working on this, but I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. So it wasn't really intentional. It just kind of happened because I have this time, like you said, what am I going to do with these kids? They're kind of crazy. Let's just fill some time. And you're saying, let's don't just fill time. Let's make it intentional. And so what are your steps for tomorrow. Let's say three things 
that teachers need to take from this podcast and go, oh, I can do that? Well, number one, do something that acknowledges that they're moving and they're moving from your classroom to a summer of the unknown in a classroom they don't know next year. So even if you just sit in a circle and pass a pretend microphone or your talking stick and talk about, I will remember and what you'll remember about the school family. And the second thing I think would be to create a book that they can take with them. For example, I've always done these memory books. And about two years ago, this parent walked in the classroom with her daughter And I looked at the parent and I thought, wow, she looks familiar. And she goes, Miss Hepler. And I go, "Uh, oh, my goodness. I taught her kindergarten and here she was bringing her daughter in with her. And she had her memory book that she had gotten from kindergarten 20 years before. So it's a powerful thing. Wow. Isn't that cool? Wow. I know. It was pretty tattered. It is so cool. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. And I guess, you know, I'm not one of those tech people, but I'm assuming that some of these tech-savvy young families could have a video of I Will Remember. Yeah. I did a DVD. I did a picture DVD of pictures I'd taken the whole school year, and I just recorded it, put it on a DVD, and sent it home because you know, most families have a DVD or Blu-ray player in their home. So there you go. High-tech Vicki Hepler. Uh, well, that was at the end of my career. <laughs> okay. But what's number three? Number three, um, I think, is giving them an opportunity to get information about what's going to happen next year and reminding them the the coping strategies they've learned in the classroom will help them over the summer and will help them next year. You know, remember when you feel angry, when you feel sad, what are some things that we've done in here? You can take that with you when you go. You know, I've had some teachers that had the kids that were very high risk and they made a safe place at school, a portable little safe place with little teeny things. And she brought them a little box and they put some stuff in it that would help them through the summer because their summer was going to be a little intense. So, uh, they put some skills on T-shirts she brought them so that she, the kids could color. What do you need to remember on this T-shirt? Stuff that they were hope maybe would stay with the child that wouldn't get lost maybe at a shelter or stolen uh, from them. So there's many creative ways to do this. The point is the best way is the one you do. So let's go over those again. First, do something yes. and focus on remembering. Yeah. Second was create something they can take with them if possible Right. Something that you can hold and take with. And give them information. And give them information. So we can all do that. And we can all do it to some degree, more or less, depending on where you are in your life journey yourself. Again, children that are at risk or are facing something horrible in front of them need a little bit more support more of these rituals. And also one of the things I used to do is when Vicki so beautifully said, when a child says, I'll miss you, Miss Hepler, and she'd go, I'll remember when we did this. Another thing you can say to the child, and this is a missing, okay? So those who are really tuned into conscious discipline know about the brain states. So if a child throws a table towards the end of the year and looks at me, I go, I'm going to miss you too. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then I move them from that survival state to the emotional state. I say, I'm going to miss you too. I'll open my arms. And lots of times that child will just come right in close to me. And then once they get close to me, I go, remember when we used to? Yeah. And then I move them right up that scale. And it can be as gracious as that if you stick with responding to the state the child's in. So Vicki, thank you so much for joining us again. Your ideas are very uh, inspirational, very practical, and very helpful to every teacher out there. So I want to wish you well, and I hope you join us again. Thank you. It was wonderful to chat. All righty. So now we're at what's Becky up to now? Well, I'm preparing to some degree to take an advanced diving course. I've tried to do night dives, and this is scuba diving. So I've tried to do night scuba diving three times, and I've chickened out all three times. So I'm hoping that may come to be. But either way, I'm going to increase my license from a basic scuba diver to an advanced scuba diver. So I'm going to be going deeper and exploring more. So it is exciting with a little kind of hint of nervousness around that night dive that might be part of the requirement. So what are we celebrating? Well, many of you know that on our website, we have Schubert School with over 300 videos to demonstrate how you can implement CD in your school from zero to grade five, six. Well, I am super, super excited because we are launching Home with Schubert and Sophie. Yay. Yes, Vicki, it's worth (laughs) a yay there. And we thought she'd left us and she's back. She's back. She said she'd come back and she came back. So this is exciting. So Home with Schubert and Sophie, where parents can see what CD looks like at home. So now we're going to have that homeschool connection. And who knows? It's exciting. It is exciting. So take a breath with me. Breathe with me, Vicki, and breathe with me, those listening. You ready? <sighs> Until next time, I wish you well. For more episodes of Real Talk with Real Teachers by Dr. Becky Bailey, visit ConsciousDiscipline.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app.